0: Welcome to my mommy's
1: podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Just Thrive, a company very near and dear to my heart, as I have seen the difference firsthand that their products make with my own family. And I've heard from so many of you sharing your positive experiences as well. I truly love all of their products, but I have to highlight a few that I love especially much. Their Breakthrough Award winning probiotic is hands down the best one I've tried. It contains a proprietary strain called Bacillus Indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants directly in the digestive system where they can be best absorbed by your body. These are also heat-stable probiotics, meaning they can actually survive the harsh environment of your digestive system and get where they're supposed to go. Their K27 is the first all-natural, pharmaceutical-grade K27 that supplies the optimal recommended dose for heart, bone, and tooth health. I am also currently obsessed with their prebiotic drink, which tastes like a delicious tropical drink, and it creates a noticeable improvement in my digestion. And another quick tip, their probiotic is heat stable, so I can easily add it to smoothies and even baked goods for my little ones who aren't great at swallowing pills yet. These are some of the only supplements I take with me when I travel, and I recommend them to friends and family all the time. Check out all of their products at justthrivehealth.com forward slash wellness mama and use the code wellness mama fifteen to save 15% on everything. So that's justthrivehealt dot com forward slash wellness mama and the code WellnessMama. This podcast is sponsored by Wellness. That's wellness with an E on the end. The brand I co-founded when I realized there just weren't truly natural alternatives to some personal care products that performed as well as many conventional brands. We've been sharing our popular toothpaste and hair care for almost two years, but today I'm excited to tell you about a new star in our lineup. The charcoal toothpaste that provides the same mineral-rich benefits as our original whitening formula with a boost of charcoal for extra whitening and mouth-supporting benefits. It's made without glycerin, using oral microbiome-friendly ingredients to help your body create stronger, healthier, whiter teeth while you sleep. I love to use charcoal and whitening toothpaste on alternating days, To keep my teeth looking and feeling their best, you can check out our toothpaste and all of our products at wellness.com. That's W E L L N E S S E.com. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. And this episode is all about cutting edge brain regenerative technology and how to keep your brain healthy as you age. I'm here with Dr. Greg Eckel, who has spent the last 20 plus years of his life developing and refining his unique approach to chronic neurological conditions. In addition to his experience in clinical practice, using a combination of naturopathic and Chinese medicine, he has a deep personal connection with this, which he explains in his own words at the beginning of this podcast. And he took a deep dive into this research and has been on the the front end of some really cutting edge technology. But we also talk about some common everyday things we can all do to improve our brain health. We talk about things like what misfolded proteins are and what they do in the brain, why we're seeing a rise in brain-related conditions. The surprising factor he sees in many brain-related diseases, and it's not what you think, what V cells are, which are very small embryonic stem cells and how this with certain lasers are providing really amazing anti-aging and brain health results, and then into more broad things like diet, supplements, sleep, and other factors that really impact the brain. Definitely a lot of information in this one. So let's join Dr. Greg, Dr. Echo. welcome.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: I am excited to chat with you about the brain specifically. But before we jump into that, I have a note in my show notes that says that you hooted the spotted owl on the Olympic Peninsula. And I have to understand what that story was.
0: (laughs) Well, I do. I speak owl. Uh, So as an undergrad, I was really interested in forest ecology and environmental science. I still am. I actually still, I think we should all have a bumper sticker that says save the humans, not just save the whales. Um, But I I worked for the Forest Service in Quilsey and it's on the Olympic Peninsula, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And I learned how to call or hoot the spotted owl. Uh, We I remember Jay, he was from North Carolina. was part of the forest conservation council. Uh, and we basically um, put little recordings and we were like in the shower in the mornings, like, ooh, ooh, like hooting like an owl. And then we would go out. We finally, you know, it was such a rush. The first time I did it was, you know, you drive up to the top of the mountaintop and you, you hoot out the call and they answer back. And it's like, just makes the hair on your arm stand on edge. It's like so beautiful. And so all summer we hooted the spotted owl. So it's kind of a fun, you know, party trick when you're camping up there to talk to the owls.
1: That's amazing. I am relatively certain you're my first guest ever who speaks owl. That's really cool.
0: (laughs) they're one of my you know totem animals at this point. Yes, I
1: love it. Well, that in and of itself is fascinating, but not actually what you're known for. You're known for your work in brain regeneration and brain health. So to start broad, I would love to hear how you got into that area to begin with.
0: You know, this story starts 11 years ago with the meeting of Soraya. And Soraya was six foot one, dreadlocks down to the floor, really just amazing goddess. And she found her way into my heart like no one ever on the planet had ever done before. And, you know, we blended our families. It was her three kids and my two kids. We even had a maid named Alice, like the Brady Bunch. We blended our medical practices, and she was a certified nurse midwife, nurse practitioner, and I'm a naturopathic doctor. And Everything was just going just fine. And you know, actually, it was better than fine. It was amazing and magical. And then we moved. And Sarai became obsessed with this one orange Fiesta ware plate. And, you know, I thought, big whoop, we move, things get lost, you know, but it was this one plate. It became like an eerie groundhog day. Uh, and dinner conversation with me and the kids of like, what's going on? Mom's looking for that plate again. And you know she would go through the kitchen and then the cupboards and then down the hallway where we kept the camping gear to the garage and then finally wind up in the attic. She'd come back frustrated. And then you know, a day or two later, she'd do the same thing. And it started to become concerning in that then three months go by, Chelsea, my office manager one day came to me and said, hey, Docs, I just left the building. I said, what are you talking about? I said, well, she just left the building. She was in her white, lab coat and stethoscope and just started wandering around the streets of Portland, Oregon. And at that moment in time I knew that we needed to do something and we cleared the schedule. And that that was just 3 months right between moving to when she strolled out of the clinic and you know we we went looking for solutions and answers and at that point, you know, she was 42 uh, we thought it was the the general culprits. Maybe it was, you know, perimenopause early or mold toxicity or, you know, some of the things that you would think for somebody that young. Well, unfortunately, um, well, fortunately, I've always said she was one in a million being, but unfortunately, the experts agreed with me on that. And she got this diagnosis called CJD, kurtzfeld jacob disease, which is a rare about 330 cases in North America a year. And it's a rapidly progressing dementia with no known cure. Now, I, being you know, uniquely positioned as husband and physician, I swung for the fence. Uh, what I discovered didn't help Soraya one iota. I mean, we, you know, at, at a point in a progression, and maybe your listeners can relate to this. In you know, you're looking for solutions and answers, and you're just not getting them. So at some point, you have to with grace and uh, a lot of prayer, kind of not throw the towel in, but change your outlook and expectations. And so I switched from searching for solutions to just surrounding her with love. And, you know, when she passed, our nurse midwife kind of death doula said it was the most beautiful death she had ever attended. You don't really hear that so frequently when you talk about loss or somebody's death. But it also you know i didn't i didn't want my suffering to be for naught and so i you know kind of bushwhacked and made it up as i went because there really weren't there were no solutions for neurodegeneration um so i you know i have a roadmap. map i invite folks to say you don't have to go it alone um, and we have a lot of options for you so i quickly became a brain regenerative specialist in that process and even through my grief, uh, the loss, and that whole process, you know, I, I came out whole with an open heart and just a, a zest for the preciousness of life, and a fire and a passion to help as many people as I can with neurodegeneration and their brain health, and then even on a longevity front. So, you know, the I guess I I arrived in brain regeneration in the school of hard knocks there, and really uh, went for it. And really, I'm kind of call them Soraya's gifts is what we use.
1: Wow, what a powerful story. And I'm sorry, she's not with us anymore. But it sounds like you've truly found the gifts and the gratitude in that and, and using it to help so many other people, which I'm sure she would be so happy to see.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. While she's not in her body, she really is here with us. And in such a beautiful way, that's the piece that for me that I have this zest for we don't know how long we're on the planet and how long we get to, you know, actually feel and taste and touch and look in people's eyes. And, and so it just gives such this richness to what we're doing here. You know, so while there's a law in physics, right, that energy can't be destroyed or created, it only changes form. So I like to say she just she left her body, maybe way too soon. But but she's still present in in so, so many ways. And just the lives that we're helping here and um, the conversations we get into people, it's really quite extraordinary.
1: Wow. It reminds me of the stoic quote, your words, uh, memento mori, remember your death, which I actually have tattooed on my wrist as a reminder of that that very same thing of we don't know how long we're here and how do we make the best of it and help the most people in the time that we have. Um, And I know that this, from my research at least, led to your very unique approach that also can involve helping people with Parkinson's, which will not be the entire focus of this podcast. We'll definitely go broad into more general brain health, but I would love to just hear a little bit of high level about that as well.
0: Yeah, so this component. So I said Soraya was one in a million, and this diagnosis of Kurtzfeld-Jacob disease is about 300 cases a year in North America. So I didn't want to specialize in CJD, but I got in on the prionic prionic textbook. So prions are misfolded proteins that don't have any genetic material in them. They're very odd. And oftentimes when you see them in the literature, they're called infectious agents. And In there, Parkinson's is in there, uh, beta amyloid plaque for Alzheimer's and dementia. There are tau proteins, Lewy body proteins of dementia. So there's all of these misfolded protein diseases, which is neurodegeneration. So I picked Parkinson's because I had, you know, I'd been in practice at that point, 17 years. I'm now 21 years in practice. And I had a lot of folks with that diagnosis and it's like, wow, well, I'm uncovering these therapies that can really help with this. Um, And so we put them together in what I call my fancy approach to Parkinson's disease. So I wrote a book called Shake It Off, an integrative approach to Parkinson's solutions. Now, there are other book titles coming around all of the facets of brain health. So if your listeners and viewers are watching, they're like, well, I don't have Parkinson's disease hang in there because this applies to really our brain health is the discussion. But I wanted to really um, niche out and focus on these folks with this one diagnosis of Parkinson's. And so I wrote a book on it. I have a summit on the same title uh, and we're really, and then I've got a bigger, broader brain regeneration summit, but on the process, that's how I picked Parkinson's. It was a, a big portion of my practice at the time. And the remedies, basically the Soraya's gifts that I found really was applicable. And I put that into my framework, which I call my fancy approach to brain health.
1: And I would guess from, I haven't studied brain health nearly as in depth, obviously, as you have, but in studying other areas of health, it seems like often extreme instances of disease can give us kind of a a really interesting insight into what early stages look like and or uh, on the flip side, what optimal looks like and kind of that progression. And it seems like we can take the extreme and then learn how we can all improve from those cases.
0: That is it. That's so true. And so, you know, what we're seeing in in clinic, so I'm not saying I'm curing disease by any means, but we are seeing stage two Alzheimer's reverse. We're seeing Parkinson's disease. People have no evidence of disease anymore. One patient in particular that I'll share a story with, um, Cindy came in. uh, She was really debilitated with a tremor couldn't get dressed anymore and basically was stuck on her couch because she was falling over even with a a three-sided walker with walking support. She's still injuring herself quite a bit and pretty, pretty depressed at that because, you know, basically debilitated on the couch with Parkinson's. She found us and came out to the clinic for what I call Camp Nature Cures. It's the experience of brain regeneration here. And we treated her in that process and I got a call from her about a year later, and uh, she said, "Dr. Echo, you'll never guess what." I said, "You're right, Cindy. I will never guess what." What? What's up? She said, "My husband just told me to slow down walking in the park." I said, "Wow. When is the last time he said that to you?" She said, "It has been over a decade. She had the diagnosis for ten years, and basically just, you know, was quickly going into full-on disability, not able to move off the couch." She really got her life back. Now, while I can't claim that for everybody that we treat, we have about a 95% success rate of improving their quality of life here with our fancy approach. And that is, we leave the door open for that to occur. And we're iterating all the time. I'm in the research and learning more and more about how do we help people's brains regenerate. And on that, you know, it even goes to the point of brain health and longevity. So, on from treating exactly what you said, treating the disease process and repairing there, well, then you can get into prevention. And then we can get into the longevity discussion, which those are all so fun to get into. But, you know, we're seeing things that are not happening other places around the globe with these patients.
1: That's incredible. And you mentioned the term beta amyloid plaques. And I'd love for you to define this a little bit more because I don't know it in a very nuanced brain health way, but I definitely come across this word often in a lot of my reading and in research and how this seems to be a key in a lot of these things that are going on. My basic understanding is that these things can build up in the brain. And for instance, like deep sleep is the time when our body flushes cerebral spinal fluid and helps break those down. But that's about the extent of my understanding. So can you give us sure. a little primer?
0: Yeah. So the beta amyloid plaques are around, they're misfolded proteins that get tangled up. They're called neurofibrillary tangles. They'll they'll get in there. And the technical term is they're going to muck up your brain. So the um they get in there and they cause mayhem and they start other cells to misfold. So different pro- other protein structures will misfold and they kind of spread. And I'm doing big quotation marks with that, in that they're signaling other cells to misfold. So then that's what stops the transmission of the neurons and leads into Alzheimer's dementia symptoms, or Alzheimer's is the biggest form of dementia. Lewy body dementia, those, those all go into the memory loss, et cetera. So those are related to in Parkinson's disease, it's called alpha-synuclein is the misfolded protein. So you, you hit it spot on with your understanding there.
1: Okay, and as you mentioned, hopefully most people listening are not dealing with Alzheimer's, dementia, or Parkinson's, but it does seem like these conditions are all on the rise and potentially happening at earlier ages. So conceivably, people listening could have some of the either risk factors or early stages and not know it. Why do you think we're seeing a rise in these conditions right now?
0: I think it's multifold. I mean, there is one component on levels of toxicity in our world. So you may see some ads out there around, you know, Roundup, glyphosate, certain pesticides associated with triggering Parkinson's. There are heavy metal, heavy metals in our environment that get lodged into our brain that can be at cause. On the memory loss, it's an interesting component that. It's almost in the innate wisdom of the body. I'm seeing unresolved traumas at the root of a lot of that. It's almost as if the innate wisdom says, We we you haven't dealt with that trauma, and we're going to protect you at this point. And there is a link. And now this is a hypothesis, working hypothesis on my point part, but even on ancestral traumas, as we've been on the planet for longer and longer periods of time, we're carrying these genetic lineages of our, our families. And doing you know, this piece that I went through with Soraya, uh, we really got into what could have caused this from to start in the first place, because that is the trillion dollar question of why do proteins misfold? And ancestral traumas actually come up on the list as far as creating epigenetic changes that then are rippling out in our generations now. Um, So it's multifactorial. Um, There's diet, there's nutrition, there's unresolved traumas, there's family lineage, ancestral uh, component to it. So it all adds up and then on your own genetic platform as well. So There's some nuances there as far as how do you unpack that for somebody in a logical fashion? How do you investigate that all together and putting it into a plan that will get you traction and movement?
1: That's so interesting. I was recently asked by a friend at a dinner party, what do you think is the greatest cause of human suffering? And my answer was unresolved trauma because of some of my own experience in the last few years. And that kind of recurring theme that seems to be showing up in a lot of, to your point, chronic health conditions, and especially the generational side, which is, was a new research pathway for me. I had Mark Rowland on recently who authored, It Didn't Start With You. And he explained what you talked about, that epigenetic change. And I'm excited for the future of that research. I think it's great that we're seeing and starting to understand that it's more than just the sum of the physical inputs going in the body. And I think that seems like, especially with the brain, going to be a very, very important pathway to go down in continued research. So I feel like we well established why these are problems and kind of what the extreme versions of them look like. I've also seen you write and say that you plan to live to be 150 years old, which would require a pretty healthy brain and a pretty healthy body. So I'm curious to, to kind of build that bridge now and talk about the positive side of all this, which is what can we do to improve our brain health?
0: Yeah, for sure. So in what has given me some chutzpah, so to speak, is, is seeing some of these chronic neurodegenerative conditions reverse. Uh, to the point of no evidence of disease. And it's miraculous to say the least, because it's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to get your brain back after it's been damaged. And in seeing that and having the privilege to sit with 90 year old patients saying, you know, they would, a lot of the theme with the the 90 year olds is if I had known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. And so, you know, it was like, Well, so I I took it to heart. I was like, okay, well, I'm listening to that. And if I want to live to be 150, that means, you know, it just things start to change when you start to project out there. But we are also living at an amazing time. We have technology now that is showing age reversal. So There's a way to measure the age of your cells, not just the chronologic age of like, okay, I'm 51 years on the planet, but how old do my cells think they are? And you've seen this with, you know, friends or somebody's the same age as you. And either they look really way younger than you. And you're like, how are you doing that? Or they look really older, you know, 10 to 12, 15 years older of like, maybe they were a smoker. Maybe they had a lot of unresolved trauma or, you know, who knows what their situation was, but they aged quicker. And so we are showing on biologic age about 2.6 years age reversal. So my cells are telling me that they're 12 and a half years younger. And that feels really good. I also feel that young as well. So, you know, when people come in and say, oh, I'm just getting old. It's just, you know, normal aging. I'm like, no, I call hogwash on that statement is, you know, the, the aging that we are promoting in our community is with our brains and with our brawn and with community in a very like we're going to not Benjamin Button it like age backwards together, but we but we are like, I want to be better this year than I was last year, you know, my 40s were a pretty good decade, I got better, healthier from 30 to 40. And now from 40, well, sorry, 40 to 50. uh, And now 50 to 60, I want to be even better than I was in my, you know, 50s. So, you know, why not? Why not age like that?
1: And it seems like we're starting to understand more and more about this being possible, and probably in a unique way, especially in the brain, from my understanding, in that the brain is capable of almost like regeneration and neuroplasticity and things that are at least slower in other areas of the body. I think we actually have technologies emerging that will let that happen in a lot of ways at a cellular level throughout the body. But can you talk a little bit about some of these new modalities that are kind of improving the body's capacity for healing?
0: Sure. The, the biggest lever that I have discovered is around V cells. So they're called very small embryonic-like stem cell procedures. And these V cells, when I graduated medical school in 2001, we did not learn about V cells. And they were they were discovered in 2005 by Dr. Ratichak at University of Kentucky. And they were basically considered detrius waste because there was no active biologic activity in these cells that were found in the serum of the blood. Until we found a way to activate them. So these are cells that we were formed in utero in our mother's bellies that created us. They're embryonic-like, meaning they can turn into any cell of the body. They go dormant when we're born. Occasionally, they're acted uh, activated when you have like a heart attack or some cardiac event. They'll come back alive or turn back on and, act, you know, repair. Then they go back to dormancy. But we've found a way to activate them with a laser and then guide them into the body for where they need to go. So we literally shine the light for where the cells that were activated by light need to go.
1: That's so fascinating. So to make sure I understand, these are cells that exist in our own body. So even though there's the word embryonic, it's not that we're taking these from embryos. These are our own embryonic stem cells.
0: Great. That's right.
1: Uh, I'm curious, just as a crossover there, I've read how, for instance, when a mom is pregnant, stem cells from her baby basically go in her body and can go to a place where there's an injury and help repair it. Are these a similar type of cell or am I confusing two different things?
0: Well, so in it gets confusing quick because there's a lot of different cell lines of stem cells. So these are embryonic-like. They're not embryonic, right? So the embryonic are the ones that are start with the one, then go to the two, then go to the three, the four, then the 10,000 things of the human body. These V cells help that. Then there's also mesenchymal stem cells from the placenta that then are also circulating back to mom to help repair. So there's a lot of stem cell action during the growing of another being in the belly, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Got it. Okay. So, but the ones we're talking about here are from our own blood serum in our blood. basically.
0: Yeah. So basically we pull your blood, we spin it down and it's in the plasma. Uh, the clear portion of the, you know, the red blood cells go to the bottom. Then usually a wax separates the serum up above.
1: So can you talk more about the laser aspect? Cause I feel like this part is really new and I've only read very like brief high level stuff of this, but it seems really incredible. The potential of this.
0: Yeah. So this is a specific laser called a song laser that actually changes light into uh, sound. It's got a refractor refraction on it of about, it refracts the laser. So it goes from light to sound. So it's a sound wave that actually comes in and on it, because of that refraction, there's Basically, information transfer forward and backward on the laser. And so it's a specific, you know, Dr. Todd uh, is his name. He owns the patent on that laser and he's the one that created the whole process and actually is the the creator of this. So I want to give due, you know, due appreciation and a shout out to him for, for finding that for finding this out, I'm on his medical advisory board and, so, and heading up the neurodegenerative um, brain health front of the research there.
1: So what does the potential in the future look like both in the regenerative side when someone already has one of these more extreme versions or and or in the preventative side?
0: So if we reverse aging by seven years, we would cut all chronic illness on the planet by 50%. So it is possible that we could, you know, really keep ourselves young, not live forever, but keep ourselves young in that, you know, preventing chronic illness, getting out of pain, having full mobility, having our strength, having our thought process and, you know, sharpness of mind, etc. cetera. So on the longevity front, you know, the sky is the limit. And this is you know we're coupled with the laser activated and guided stem cell procedure and we use hyperbaric oxygen and we even use ancient technology like chinese medicine as well so all of those things wrapped together of meeting people where they're at measuring blood and plasmalogens and other things like this of really working on brain chemistry we can you know really make a difference you know i i really wanted because of this process that i went through I planted the flag in the earth to, you know, can we move the needle with neurodegeneration? The answer is yes. Um, Can we do a better job of that? Certainly. Um, Can we expedite those reversals? Yes. That's what I'm working on. It's what the people that I'm talking to in medicine, even outside of medicine, I think bioenergetics and sound and frequency healing. I'm very interested in those topics and that really making Sound frequencies because the laser goes into a sound wave, which seems to be repairing the brain. And it's also cartilage. And, you know, I can go through countless stories of, you know, people needing a hip or a knee replacement or shoulder replacement. They don't need it anymore on imaging, their body healed itself. So it's super exciting of what the possibilities are. And, And really looking at easing the suffering and or getting people back into a thriving mode.
1: What does access to these treatments look like right now? I know it's relatively new. Is it something people are able to find in most places or if not, how can someone find it?
0: Yeah. So right now, because we're still working on regulatory process, so there's the highly regulated system of medicine in the United States, for better or worse. And so it's definitely, there's a handful of clinics using the V-cell technology. I am the center right now uh, in Portland, Oregon and soon to have a clinic in Park City, Utah around the the longevity play as far as the brain regeneration component. A lot of folks are doing a lot of longevity uh, treatments, but the program and the transformation is, I think, what sets what we're doing apart there. And so you can, you know, look, you can, we don't have a, a website for the providers. It's called Qi Generation is the name of the company that owns the patents on the, on the laser guided and activated V-cell procedure. The papers are just getting published. So there's been two papers published on the procedure. I'm hoping that there's a third coming out here in December around, um, it's 10 patients with heart disease and injection fracture, bringing their hearts back online which is super impressive. So I'm hoping that one comes out in December here. So that, I guess my long-winded answer to your question is, it's not super accessible out there yet, um, but we're really on the front edge and the front lines of this coming out.
1: Gotcha. And, And like we talked about, hopefully most people listening don't have one of these more severe conditions that they're acutely dealing with, but there's so much to learn from those conditions and apply to all of us. And with that being said, it seems like, with every aspect of health and this too, there's going to be a very multifaceted approach. And I know you had a background in functional medicine before you even specialized in brain health. So it makes me curious kind of what the intersection of those two things looks like in other areas as well. For instance, starting with perhaps diet, which is nutrition is my background. I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you're seeing any clinical evidence and or in your practice, things that are helpful to the brain from a dietary perspective.
0: There are, there are a ton. So there is this interesting hypothesis for Parkinson's called the Brock hypothesis of looking at alpha synuclein traveling on the vagus nerve from the gut. So potentially Parkinson starts in the gut. Uh, so we are testing, you know, we address everyone's diet. Food is your best medicine. I mean, that is, I am a naturopathic doc after all and I'm firm believer in that. And it is it does make a difference. So, you know, you need your oils, you need your good vegetables for vitamin minerals, you need adequate protein to get your amino acids. And then there's the energetic part of the meal, too. So there isn't, though, I haven't. So before I got into doing the embryonic like stem cell procedure, exosomes or mesenchymal stem cells, when those were available a few years ago that is the biggest lever that we really started to see the most change for folks. I was doing Chinese medicine, naturopathic medicine, diet therapy, nutrition. We're having some benefit, but not as much as it's really accelerated with this extra therapeutics on top.
1: And then I'm with you. I always consider diet the foundation of anything else. And I've said before, you can't out- uh, you know supplement a bad diet you can't exercise a bad diet they all have to work hand in hand but that being said are there any nutrients that we're seeing in the research that are especially supportive of the brain that are worth supplementing I, I'm sure there's an individual aspect here as well like I found for myself at least I have some choline dependent genes and I don't tolerate eggs very well so I do really well when I supplement choline but are there any general recommendations that are brain supportive
0: yeah, so um, definitely omega-3 fatty acids is, is the hugest category. DHA is the one constituent for brain health, but they're anti-inflammatory. They're amazing for our phospholipid bilayer. New research coming out on plasmalogens, which they're, I did not really learn that in medical school. And Dr. Dan Goodnow is coming out. He wrote a book called Breaking Alzheimer's and um, published at the Alzheimer's international convention here this last year on increasing plasmalogen levels in our blood and reversing Alzheimer's basically. So oils are very important. Uh, the omega-3 fatty acids, the three six nine ratio, plasmalogens is a big player there. Level of cholesterol and iron in the blood also are amazing uh, markers for brain health and can give some unique uh, supplementation guidelines. I also look at the thyroid. So sometimes supplementing with thyroid supporting foods, because there are a lot of folks with the Parkinson's diagnosis with hypothyroidism. So there's a link kind of unofficial link there, but I am seeing if there are some cases on PubMed of reversal of Parkinson's disease with adequate thyroid medication. Dietarily or supplementation you know, when I went to school, so that, you know, it's like, you think you have it all figured out and then you realize, oh no, there, there's a fractal universe here and there's so many levels to what we're doing. So the whole endocannabinoid system, sometimes it's, you know, a cannabidiol deficiency or ratio issue that is underlying the hormone imbalance. And there are more receptors for CBD in the brain than all of the other neurotransmitters put together. So that's another area that we look at is looking at the CBD. Of course, the mushrooms, um, I'm really excited for more psychedelic research to come out. I mean, that just makes total sense to me, looking at neural networks and how mushrooms communicate on the planet and our brains are pretty much set up the same way. Um, So lion's mane, there's a lot of research coming out on lion's mane, chaga, these mushrooms, you know, ancient mushrooms that have been around. We've been using them in Chinese medicine for eons. And now they're coming out in the West, which is really exciting to see uh, the B vitamins, you know, B12 folic acid they should all be always be taken together because sometimes you can mask a deficiency one way or the other with those using, you know, the methylation process and looking at the, you know, what's going on with homocysteine in the blood. And that's a methyl transferase pathway. So if you're not methylating well, or find yourself with some of the deficiencies in the SNPs, that's an easy way of measuring what's going on in your body and in your blood. And then that would lead into, you know, carnitine supplementation, choline supplementation, lecithin. So there's some simple dietary interventions that you can do to also help feed the brain. Magnesium is a great one. You know, so this is where you kind of get into the, what I call the American um, shotgun approach, right? Everybody comes to me and says, what can I take from my brain? And it's like, well, here's all of the things and they're all well-researched. But, you know, when you line them all up and you're taking a gazillion supplements, it's like you're treading water and just trying to keep your head above water um, versus what I call the zheng of the formula direction where you have an emperor and generals and assistants, everybody to line up and move you like you're doing the freestyle. So that gives you some traction and movement to where you want to go. And that's where the individualizing of the program comes in through specific testing, making sure we meet people where they're at, what's their genetic platform, and then what is the, you know, next best step for them in this moment
1: that does seem to be the trend across all aspects of medicine, thankfully is that personalization aspect. Although I will say magnesium is a recurring recommendation
0: across the
1: in every expert, every condition, I'm yet to have anyone say magnesium is harmful. So that seems like a good yeah. starting point for a lot of people. You also mentioned that omega three, six and nine ratio. So I've talked before about one of my theories about the rise in a lot of chronic conditions is overuse of vegetable oils and polyunsaturated oils. And this seems like another one. I know it's a little bit controversial, but that's a recommendation. I always give is that our bodies kind of developed throughout history without those specific fats. So we know we can exist without them. And so until we're more sure, it seems like a pretty safe thing to limit or avoid them. This podcast is sponsored by Just Thrive, a company very near and dear to my heart, as I have seen the difference firsthand that their products make with my own family. And I've heard from so many of you sharing your positive experiences as well. I truly love all of their products, but I have to highlight a few that I love especially much. Their breakthrough award-winning probiotic is hands down the best one I've tried. It contains a proprietary strain called Bacillus Indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants directly in the digestive system where they can be best absorbed by your body. These are also heat-stable probiotics, meaning they can actually survive the harsh environment of your digestive system and get where they're supposed to go. Their K27 is the first all-natural, pharmaceutical-grade K27 that supplies the optimal recommended dose for heart, bone, and tooth health. I'm also currently obsessed with their prebiotic drink, which tastes like a delicious tropical drink, and it creates a noticeable improvement in my digestion. And another quick tip, their probiotic is heat-stable, so I can easily add it to smoothies and even baked goods for my little ones who aren't great at swallowing pills yet. These are some of the only supplements I take with me when I travel, and I recommend them to friends and family all the time. Check out all of their products at justthrivehealth.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama15 to save 15% on everything. So that's J-U-S-T-T-H-R-I-V-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash wellnessmama and the code wellnessmama. This podcast is sponsored by Wellness. That's Wellness with an E on the end. The brand I co-founded when I realized there just weren't truly natural alternatives to some personal care products that performed as well as many conventional brands. We've been sharing our popular toothpaste and hair care for almost two years, but today I'm excited to tell you about a new star in our lineup. The charcoal toothpaste that provides the same mineral-rich benefits as our original whitening formula with a boost of charcoal for extra whitening and mouth-supporting benefits. It's made without glycerin, using oral microbiome-friendly ingredients to help your body create stronger, healthier, whiter teeth while you sleep. I love to use charcoal and whitening toothpaste on alternating days to keep my teeth looking and feeling their best. You can check out our toothpaste and all of our products at wellness.com. That's wellness dot But you also mentioned cholesterol, and I think this might be touching on a little bit of a controversial topic, but I wanted to address it. And I may be off base and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen some evidence that reducing cholesterol too much can actually be harmful to the brain and that maybe in our fear of cholesterol related to heart disease, we might be damaging the brain. Am I correct about that? And if so, how do we balance that?
0: Yeah. You are totally correct on that. We have gone overboard on manipulating cholesterol and there is evidence arising cholesterol below 200, which is now the current recommended uh, amount. When I started practice, it was 220. Well, what happened? We have the advent of statin medications that we can drop it down. But I I think what we're doing is a little, it's very short-sighted in that we're manipulating cholesterol artificially too low. And you look at, well, what does cholesterol do for us? It's the backbone of all of the sex steroid hormones in our body. It's integral for the integrity of our cell wall. We need good cholesterol and it's gotta be fluid on the fluid dynamics. So it's not trans fatty acids should not be in the diet, but, but we we've gone too far. And I see, um, there's some evidence coming out on statin, long term statin medication, which is a cholesterol lowering drug, being implicated in early onset dementias and brain memory issues, et cetera. So, you know, it has never made sense to me to give a mitochondrial toxin, which is a statin medication, and the mitochondria are the energy factor of every cell of your body. And the heart, in particular, has the most mitochondria because it's pumping all the time. Uh, the brain has a lot of mitochondria, too, by the way. And so we're, We're toxing out the energy factories of the body to lower a cholesterol number that may or may not move the needle. I mean, cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer in this country with over 50 million people on statin medication. So we haven't really moved the bar in heart health with the advent of this drug. So it's a little... You know, it is controversial because it's been driven by the, by the propaganda to say we lower is better, lower is better, but I'm not seeing that clinically. And I will tell you, you add plasmalogens into that mix and discussion of cholesterol because plasmalogens make about 20 to 25% of the cell wall or the phospholipid bilayer around the cell. Cholesterol is the other big major portion of that. And, you know, we might be on to something of bringing back our health. In eating, uh, eating better. I mean, those, those ratios, I think you're, you're spot on when you look at linoleic acid, which is predominantly the acid that comes from the, those seed oils, those plant oils, uh, the the vegetable oil uh, varietals. So they are not good for our health.
1: I'm really glad you brought up that mitochondria piece as well. Um, I'm by no means an expert in this, but I've had a couple guests on recently that focus on mitochondrial health, and it's been kind of a research topic for me. And it seems like you mentioned there's a high concentration in the brain and the heart. So this is considering that there's a rise in conditions related to both of those, maybe something we should look at. And one thing that one of those guests recommended was the importance of natural light for enhancing mitochondrial function. And it makes wonder, is there a benefit to the brain as well, especially as we are exposed to more and more artificial light and less and less outdoor light? Is there anything we can do using natural light patterns to benefit the brain? I know, for instance, it helps circadian rhythm and deep sleep helps with those amyloid plaques like we talked about. But beyond that, is there a benefit to getting natural sunlight for brain health?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, across the board, when you look at you know, the the physicians that kind of won a Nobel prize in medicine was all about circadian rhythm driving the whole, all hormonal balance in the body. So it does make a difference. Like the amount of blue light that then suppresses melatonin. I mean, it just kind of the ramifications of what we've done with light and our sleep cycles. Like, you know, the new smoking is lack of sleep. So, you know, nobody would think listening to your podcast think that it's fine for me to smoke a pack of cigarettes. Like it's not going to have any effect on my health. Right. But we, we all do it of like four to five hours of sleep or, you know, like whatever with kids or, you know, you never, you don't get it. Right. You don't get that level of sleep, but then it's at the equivalent health impact is not of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Right. You just might not notice it. You don't have that smokers hack in the morning, but over the long term, it definitely catches you. And so, you know, my definitely in a brain health function, limiting blue light, using the blue blockers at nighttime, watching LED lights in your environment. I know we kind of, everybody has switched to that for the environmental component. But again, this concept of like, save the humans, like we're going down, the planet's going to be here. It's just, we're the ones that are going to disappear. So it's, you know, save the humans, like, okay, we definitely want to be conscious of what resources we're using, et cetera. And in the grand scheme of it, are we doing more harm than good by now we're consuming more toxic medicines? I have no idea, but you know, like who's looking at that big picture as far as not just the bottom line of energy, ro- you know, burnt by a light bulb versus, you know, all of the other ramifications that happen from throwing our circadian rhythm off. So it is a big, that's a big player.
1: I really like your line about save the humans. And actually one of my favorite quotes from this podcast was with my son. I interviewed him when he wrote a cookbook and I asked him a question about environmental factors and he turned it around on me. He's like, mom, you actually asked the wrong question because it's not that we need to save the planet. The planet is a self correcting organism and it will eventually save itself. It's asking the question of do we get to keep living here when it does that? And I thought that was a really good point. And to your point just now as well, is the Earth as a whole will self correct. It's just going to be if it does it in a way that's cataclysmic to humans before we fix these problems. I think you're right. We've seen, we need to find that balance of environmentalism and also taking care of humans, because long term, those two things need to keep working together. Um, but on the note of sleep, what are some things we can do from a brain perspective? How do we optimize our sleep? And maybe what are some things to pay attention to when it comes to sleep?
0: Yeah, so I I love tracking it. So I wear one of the aura rings, but the, you know, there's all of those devices out there now, the whoop and the, you know, the Fitbit and the I you know, the eye watch, all of those things are tracking your deep sleep. So you want to be tracking it because it does. Make a difference because whether you wake up, you know, I'll I'll see folks and they're like, oh, I slept horribly. I was like, okay, let's look at your data. It's like, well, actually, you've got adequate deep sleep. You twenty over twenty percent, over twenty percent REM, over seven hours of sleep, and you weren't restless. So you know, it's like the story that we lay on top of the sleep, which the data suggests, like, no, it's actually we need a different story here. So it's getting adequate rest. So how do you do that? There's sleep hygiene practices on on our devices. You know, if you, it's F dot L-U-X is a blue screen blocker that goes as the sun sets. Now it does make your screen harder to read, but you look at that and maybe you need to put, turn it down, turn it off, right? The, The, it's time to get off the computer. Um, getting outside during the day, during the sunlight, during the early mornings, it really does make a difference. Now I live in Portland, Oregon, and it's gray and dark pretty much nine months of the year here. So that doesn't work. So it's like getting in front of some full spectrum lights in the morning, right? Seasonal affective disorder is such a big thing up here because of that, but because we're not getting the full spectrum of light on our bodies, I think allowing the light to not always wear sunglasses, not don't look into the light, don't stare at the sun, but you know get out in the sunlight so that that comes in because that's stimulating uh, melatonin, melanin in the in the back of the eye there, and on your skin the melanin of your skin that's also then circulating and changing some hormonal balance in your body. So those sleep hygiene is then you know doing more gentle things at nighttime like more conversation. Light walking is fine, but may, don't go to the gym because that's going to spike your cortisol and possibly throw off your circadian rhythm. So it's getting into those health habits. Sometimes it's taking a bath, slowing down, uh, being more contemplative at nighttime. These are all activities that we can do to help support us into optimal rest, or you know, getting a crown if you're a, a ring wearer or you know, along those lines.
1: All great advice. And that morning light recommendation is another recurring one. And I love it because it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. We see in the lab results, it actually plays out and makes a big difference in your hormones as well. So it's one of those, you know, there's these amazing like B cells and all these cool things we can do, but there's also these free things like sleep and hydration and sunlight that we should start with. Yeah. I love when that one comes up. And as we get close to the end of our time, I want to make sure I respect your time, but you've offered to share a chapter of your book with us. So I would love for you to talk about the book. Yes. Um, I'll make sure that link is in the show notes.
0: So in there, I've got a copy of it here. It's called Shake It Off, An Integrative Approach to Parkinson's Solutions. Now, it's not just about Parkinson's. Yes, it is Parkinson's on the cover, but this book, it does lay out my whole fancy approach. So F A N C. My fancy approach to brain regeneration, and that's what we have people flying in from around the globe to be treated in the clinics and so much so that we're expanding out into Park City, Utah area as well. And in there, I lay out F stands for the functional approach that we're treating heart centered dynamic beings moving through time and space. A is the assessment. And this is often overlooked because people want to go to the end, which is the nerve health. Like, what can I take from my brain? Versus we need to assess and turn over some stones as to possibilities as to what are obstacles to your body healing itself. Three biggies, like the triad that I see are heavy metals, the gut microbiome and hormone imbalances. And so those three areas, those are the low hanging fruit. Now, Of course, I talk about in here, uh, mold and lime and other culprits that are also major players that could be mimicking some of the neurodegeneration and or getting in the way of your brain healing. Then I get into N. So of the fancy approach, the N is the third letter and that's nerve health. So that's all of the different nutrients. Now it's not exhausted, exhausted. I mean, I don't have peptides in this book because those I really got into using afterwards. So, though we don't have the peptides in there, but there are a lot of peptides that you can take for nerve health. Uh, a lot of the nutrients that I mentioned during this show um, actually it went above and beyond in the list. And then we get into the dash. Oh, in, in that nerve health, one of the other interesting things that uh, was uncovered was I have a patent pending on a nasal spray called Clear Mind. Um, and this is to really rid the body of brain fog. And so, um, it will, it's a potent neuro anti-inflammatory really puts the fire out, so to speak. And we're having really great results with that clear mind nasal spray. And then dash C is the cellular regeneration. And so I was using tissue allograft products and other stem cell products, exosomes. Those have pretty much been, um, removed from the market, uh, in May of 2021 this year with a regulation from the FDA that turned them all into drug products. So there's a a lot of different research that has to happen there. But we've got the V-cell, the laser activated and guided, very small embryonic-like procedure uh, with hyperbaric oxygen and photobiomodulation, the PEMF and low-level laser therapies to all aid the body and its healing response. So that's the fancy approach that I lay out in the book. I also have all exercises like qigong exercises that I was given. I studied in uh, Szechuan Province and Tibet as a Chinese medicine student, and so it's the Jinjiang Muscle Tendon Changing School of Qigong. So I do cloud hands, and I've got super brain yoga in the book, and um, I talk about diet nutrition in there as well. So it's um, it's an easy read. I really made it to be consumed to be able to read it. And um, for patients and their families, and, and really it's a great way to look at even preventing, you know, if you've got folks with Alzheimer's dementia or you have concerns of that developing, the layout and the framework in the book, even though it's titled Parkinson's, it's still an applicable read for brain health in general.
1: Awesome. Well, those notes will be in the show notes as well as linked to your book so people can keep learning. And speaking of books, I'm curious if there is a book or a number of books besides, of course, your own that have had a profound impact on your life. And if so, what they are and why?
0: Yeah. You know, the earliest book that I think had the biggest impact on my life was Ram Dass' Be Here Now. I found that book, I think, as a sophomore in high school. And it was uh, it was my introduction to a, a another another world. Uh, I guess of possibilities. And in there, in the back of his book, I think I read every book in the resources department in the back of that book. So it led me down kind of through all of the spiritual transitions. It led me to ticknot Han and Pieces Every Step. And I really, you know. Buddhist thought and religious thought from around the world and just around the concept of being in the now. And this, you know, led me to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on death and dying. And I mean, it was just basically instrumental of like my curriculum of why I came to the planet. And I found that in early high school. So I'm, I'm so grateful to have found him as a teacher. And I got to study with him a while while he was on the planet And it led to so many other things for me. So, you know, as far as uh, earliest influential book that I remember, that's the one.
1: I love it. I will link to that as well. And then um, lastly, I'm curious, even this can be on a personal level or it could be medically related. Any just top pieces of advice or kind of the 80-20 of things you find most important in your own life for maintaining health? Mm.
0: You know, I think there's a lot of looking outside of ourselves for the answer. And as I age, I'm, you know, you look at all of these kind of the sage advices go within the answers lie within. And that never really made any sense to me until, you know, the last few years. And I'm like, holy cow, this is what they're talking about. Like getting quiet, still meditating, really developing a practice for yourself that you are intelligence, you know, in my understanding of the universe is really leading towards oneness. And if this whole thing is one entity, and we're all just kind of separate, but the same kind of manifestations of each other, we're just, you know, there should number one, a lot more love should come out of that concept. And, and number two, it's really getting quiet enough so that you can actually listen to your internal barometer of not emotional or not reactionary, but really that still voice that's in all of us and and entrusting your intuitive sense. And because you will be guided. I mean, that's my job as a doctor physician is I listen intently. Like I like to say, I do a lot of nothing all day. It's the body and it's the intelligence uh, and the medicines that really are doing all the work. I'm holding space I can be a good guide and cheerleader, but ultimately that's what we need to be doing for ourselves is just getting quiet and listen. And if you start asking those questions of yourself, of your highest self, of the greatest good, maybe out of that curiosity, you may be surprised at what you, where you be are led and what answers you
1: get. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. And I love that advice. I'm so appreciative of your time today. This has been such a fun deep dive into brain health and health in general. And I'm just very appreciative. Thank you for being here.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Katie.
1: And thanks as always to all of you for listening and sharing your most valuable resources, your time, your energy, and your attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast.